Tonight's episode of Midnight Tea is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. fellow goths, horror enthusiasts, and children of the sun and moon. I am your humble Los Angeles witch, Moonchild Nell, and welcome to another episode of Midnight Tea. How is everybody doing? You all know this is the universal question I ask every single, at every beginning of my episodes, and it really does surprise me to hear that some of you guys actually do take what I say to heart and you message me on my Instagram to say, hey, thanks for asking about us. Um, By the way, I love your podcast. I love all the, the content that you put out there. This is some of the ways that I get my current goth news, whether it's music or fashion or makeup. And honestly, that's really heartwarming to hear that you guys actually not only just hear my podcast, but you listen to it. So Thank you guys. That's that's really awesome. So to keep you guys up to date on what's been going on with me, as last week I did not release an episode. Um, I didn't mean to not release it. It just I got swept up in so much else to do. So with that in mind, I'm also going to warn that this next week's episode may come late or may not come at all. Just as I kind of go through the motions of getting some personal things handled. But your girl is doing absolutely phenomenal. I'm doing great. I've started working on a new workout routine because really trying to achieve that hot girl summer look. And also June is my birth month. So my birthday comes later in the month. And also, how could I forget this? I'm sorry, guys. Happy Pride Month. This is such a huge month for anybody who is in the LGBTQIA plus community, or if you are a friend of that community, supporter, I know there's a word for it, for whatever reason, it just escaped me. But yes, a happy Pride Month to everybody in the LGBTQIA plus, or if you are a supporter of the LGBTQIA plus or ally. That's the word I was looking for. If you are an ally, thank you for being an ally to honestly some of the best people in the whole wide world. And of course, me being the B in LGBTQ as a bisexual, a proud and out bisexual to just about my entire family, it feels good to be seen and heard and appreciated for who you really are. And Yes, that's just one of the great things to love about June. And also, like I was saying earlier, my birthday. And there's a lot of planning going into this one because, trust me, after the year of quarantine and solitude, I am ready to kind of be back out in the world with stipulations. Um, as most of you may have heard already, the state of, law of California 
Los Angeles, the state of California, it will be fully reopened by June 15th. And I have to be honest, there's a little bit of trepidation with this. Um, and I don't know whether that is the fear of going back out into the world and possibly having another COVID spike, which even if we did, it won't be as bad as, as it was last summer. But there still is the always the fear of another spike. Or is it because I myself and maybe many others out there have been so shell-shocked of being in quarantine for a full year that we're always now going to have this borderline agoraphobic fear of leaving the house now? And if I can be honest, I feel a little bit of both. There is a little bit of a fear of being maskless in the outside world, even though I'm still highly encouraging everybody to still continue to wear a mask even if you are in areas that say like oh you don't have to it's like yeah but it's it's just a common courtesy to others as well as yourself but i personally i'm i'm i want to be out there but it's it's like dipping your toe into the pool when it's been a hot day and the pool is freezing cold and you're just like ooh do i want this do you're 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 kind of like sliding in and out of this idea and i guess that's what it feels like for me and i'm not going to give you the 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 same swimming analogy is just, just jump in head first. It's fine. No, 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 no. I, I highly encourage everybody do what you feel is most comfortable. If that means you are absolutely still going to mask or in some certain cases, double mask for your safety to be outside, do that. If you feel like you are vaccinated and you're ready to be out there and safe but you're over the mask and if it's a place that's policies allow you to be maskless and you just want to do it, do that too. Just as long as you know that you feel comfortable and you feel safe. It's is all that matters at the end of the day. And for me, it's, it's, it's a toss up. I mean, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm ready to kind of live my life again, but you know, still a little nervous about what the outside world has for me. And I'm putting that definitely to the challenge for my birthday. But none of it, these are all good fears to have, if if that makes any sense to you guys out there. It's it's valid. It's a valid fear. Because whatever is happening to you is not just happening just to you. It's happening to your neighbors, your best friends, your other family, the rest of the world even. So take everything with a grain of salt. Do your own assessments of what, well, uh, what do you feel in your heart you're going to be okay with. And to be honest, there really is no wrong answer. Just as long as you are happy doing what you do. And with that being said, we got a great episode ahead. So let me stop babbling about this and get right to it. It's that time, guys. Disclaimer. In that tonight's episode may contain strong language, possible spoilers for books and media, and dark topics. So this is your viewer or listener. Discretion advised. All right, guys, we got a lot to catch up on. So let's go ahead and bring it back two weeks ago on May 19th, 2021. This comes to us fresh from, well, fresh-ish, from bloodydisgusting.com. And the headline reads, Wednesday, Jenna Ortega cast as Wednesday Adams in Tim Burton's Netflix series. Yeah, that Wednesday Adams series that we were promised to come to us on Netflix well, they finally decided to cast Wednesday Adams, And we gotta be honest, even though we were all rooting for Christina Ricci or someone who sounded as similar to her, we are getting newcomer Jenny Ortega. 
Now, I'm going to read you the first few paragraphs from the article via Bloody Disgusting. It was officially announced in February that Tim Burton is headed to the small screen with a new live-action series centered on Wednesday Addams, coming soon from Netflix. The series, which is simply titled Wednesday, will follow the beloved Addams Family's character's spooky coming of age. Eight episodes have been ordered up by Netflix. Today brings an update, as we've learned that Jenna Ortega, also from other features such as The Babysitter, Killer Queen, and Scream, the series, has signed on to star as Wednesday Adams in the brand new series. Wednesday is described as a sleuthing, supernaturally infused mystery, charting Wednesday Adams' years as a student at Nevermore Academy. It's said to follow, and I quote, Wednesday's, Wednesday's attempts to master her emerging psychic ability thwart a monstrous killing spree that has terrorized the local town and solved the supernatural mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago, all while navigating her new and tangled relationships. Alfred Go, Alfred Goff, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I apologize if I butchered that. Alfred Goff and Miles Millar small, from Smallville are writing and show running Burton is directing. Wednesday Adams has most recently been played by, by, played by Chloe Grace Moretz in 2019's animated movie and earlier live action by Lisa Loring on TV and infamously Christina Ricci in the films. Now there is more to that article, including a photo of Jenna Ortega holding up the script that she's reading from for Wednesday. And I have to be honest, I'm not familiar with this girl at all. And I did call her a newcomer, even though she has done two other projects. But these are also projects I'm not 100% familiar with myself. I actually have not watched um, Babysitter, Killer Queen. I've only seen the first one, The Babysitter. And Scream, the series I started but never finished. So I myself am not 100% on her talents as of far. But... I heard that there was immediate backlash on this poor girl about, oh, why do they get a Latina to voice Wednesday? That's not fair. Blah, 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 because Wednesday's always been white. Um, okay. I'll, let me play the devil's advocate for a second here. Yeah, Wednesday has always been portrayed as a white girl. But lest we forget that her dad's name is fucking Gomez. Stop it, people. Stop it. It's not going to kill anybody to have this character voiced by a Latina. If she can do the job, who cares? What I'm more concerned about is sleuthing? Since when did At Wednesday turn into a Scooby-Doo series? Now, granted, there was a brief series, I believe it was in the 60s or 70s, where the Adams Family and Scooby-Doo did a pairing but I don't understand why they're making this like, a, again, like a very Scooby-Doo-esque case closed kind of scenario. It doesn't fit Wednesday. I never would picture Wednesday to be interested in something like this. But that's the route they're going with for this series. And I don't know how to feel about it. As far as we know, there's no release date of when the series is going to air, but 
I can't help it. I'm going to watch it. I love Adam's Family. And Wednesday, I think, is unanimous across the golf board. If it's not Morticia, Wednesday is your favorite character. So I'm excited to see where this goes, though a little skeptical of what we're going to get. But if you want to go and see the article for yourself, it is on bloody-disgusting.com for all to read. Now the next piece of news I have for you guys has actually been out for quite a minute and it's my fault for not jumping on this when the news broke. But as of May 20th, 2021, we got the announcement that all the rumors have been putting to rest. We are finally getting a Hocus Pocus 2. Holy shit, this is gonna be cool. And as the news reports suggest, this breaking from CNN.com is that Bed Midler, Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimi have all said they are signed on to return to play our favorite Sanderson sisters. This is pretty exciting. I'm just afraid of since time, so much time has passed, the original movie coming out in 1993, that, has it been too long? But nonetheless, I'm excited for this. Hocus Pocus being obviously one of my favorite Disney films of all time, and seeing that as far as we, at least as far as we know, the Sanderson sisters are all coming back and reprising their original roles. Now, as far as some of the other cast, such as Omri Katz, who played Max, or Vanessa Shaw, who played Allison, have not been commented on whether they are returning. The only other cast, aside from our main three witches, that has said yes to coming back is Thora Birch, who played Danny Dennison. And man, you are absolutely fucking lying if you said you were not the biggest fan of her. She was amazing. Other characters have also not been slated yet to know if they were going to come back to play any roles either, such as like Sean Murray, who played Thackeray. Though, then again, we did see his death sort of speak at the end of Hocus Pocus so it wouldn't be a surprise if he did not come back but it would be a shame if we did not get Omri and Vanessa since they were such big characters in the in the movie as well with Max and Allison my main question is I wonder if they're going to follow the sequel of the book because some of you guys out there may not know this but there is a sequel book to Hocus Pocus and I have read this book. It's an actual an audiobook that you can find anywhere you can get audiobooks, especially audible.com. But yes, there is a sequel book that I believe is just called Hocus Pocus and the all-new sequel. Now, I'm not going to spoil the book for you in case you want to read it on your own. But Hocus Pocus and the all-new sequel is basically a book version of the events that happened in the first movie with a part two that takes place several, um, takes place a couple of decades later, wherein the daughter of Max and Allison accidentally brings back the witches. And it's a very interesting little read. Um, the audiobook of it, I remember only being maybe about six hours long. It's a short read. And I thought it was cute. I 
and obviously it does bring back certain characters like Danny. And I'm just curious as to where that could go. Or whether this new Hocus Pocus sequel is not going to take the place of the book. It's just going to be its own entity, which is fine too. Because I really don't think a lot of people knew about the book or probably still doesn't know about the book. And like I said, if you're interested, Hocus Pocus and the all new sequel is out on Amazon. You can read a hard cut. Get a hardcover of the book anywhere. You can buy books or you can do the audiobook, which is easily accessible on Audible. Or if you have a digital library card, you can get the audiobook through there for free. It's a good read. I enjoyed it. And that's pretty much all the news I have right now in terms of the new Hocus Pocus sequel. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are. If you're excited for this new sequel, if you think we don't need it. Or it's unnecessary or what would your vision be if there could be a hocus pocus sequel and we'll get back to our podcast after the break all right guys welcome back so let's go ahead and talk about my favorite anime in the whole wide world if you were a girl growing up in the 90s you absolutely know what anime i'm talking about and that is sailor moon now as of two days ago they have released on netflix Pretty Guardian, Sailor Moon, Eternal, the movie. And this is the season four, if you will, of Sailor Moon Crystal, which is the rebooted series that follows a lot closer to the manga comic book adaptation of Sailor Moon. Now, yours truly actually never read the original manga, um, in middle school, a friend, former friend, had given me Sailor Moon manga number nine, and I still have it to this day, but it's completely in Japanese, and at the time, I couldn't read it. So, I kind of got a gist of what was going to happen, and what the events that happened in book nine is basically the ending of season three. Of, or the final two episodes of season three of Sailor Moon Crystal. So I never knew necessarily how the storyline worked in Crystal. I've only ever known the 90s series that we all grew up with. So if you were like me, you probably watched Sailor Moon R, S, then Super S, and probably never got to see Sailor Stars because American audiences were apparently not ready for what... Um, for what Sailor Stars had to give us. So watching the rebooted series of Sailor Moon Crystal that follows the manga adaption very closely, I've been watching that since about 2016. And following that as closely as I could and getting an idea of the manga, which by now I'm only starting to collect them. So I haven't even, I still haven't read them because I only have books seven through 11 out of the 13 plus books, technically 15, if we're counting the Sailor Moon short stories, which there's two books. Sorry, so that makes it 17 because it's also the two manga adaptions of Sailor V, or sorry, codename Sailor V. Anyway, before this goes on any more of a tangent, Netflix two days ago had released Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon Eternal, the movie, which was a two-part movie to wrap up season four of the series. How did it stack out? Well, 
it was pretty decent. It's good, but the same problem that a lot of Sailor Moon fans, including myself, kind of have with Sailor Moon Crystal is that it's rushed. I get it. It's they're condensing the main 13 books of the manga series into a four-season TV show, which you figured would be that's more than enough time to expand on the universe. It's not. It's about as rushed as it can be in terms of storyline. Like Usagi and Mamoru fall in love within five episodes. It's a little insane. It's a little quick how this all happens. There's a lot of things that are also not explained very well, like their powers and such. And unfortunately, this is where I'm going to start with some... I Just for everybody, just as a heads up, there will be spoilers to Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon Eternal, the movie. This is your warning right now that there will be spoilers. Well, my theory on all this is I feel like because the series is so rushed, the threat of the new villains doesn't feel as ominous. There's no weight to their to the damage and destruction they want to cause. Basically, if you had watched Sailor Moon Super S, with Queen Mehelenia as the main villain, with the Amazon Quartet, and the three deities of Hawkeye, Fisheye, and Tiger's Eye, this is pretty much it. It's pretty much this condensed down into a three-hour movie, because this wrap-up of season four is two movies. It's two roughly hour-and-a-half movies. The first half taking over the, the role of the inner senshi, realizing and recognizing their new powers whereas the second half is the outer century recognizing their new powers and of course the climactic battle and like i said it's rushed like sailor moon super s had the advantage of being several like at least 20 to 30 episodes so you got the impact that queen mehelenia meant business she was a big bad she was a threat Whereas with this, because it's condensed into three hours, there feels like there's no weight. There's no suspense of, oh my God, she's incredibly dangerous. She's she's a big threat. She just kind of shows up, she does her thing, and then she's gone. So I don't feel like there's enough of a weight in her character to make you feel like she's threatening. And on top of that, she doesn't even show up in the movie until the second movie, and she's in it for maybe 10 minutes. So yes, Sailor Moon Super S, the original 90s uh, season four of Sailor Moon, was, was 39 episodes, nearly 40 episodes long, and now they condensed it into a three-hour movie, and I feel like it's not enough to make you feel any gravitas, any weight, because not only that, the story of Helios, the Pegasus that Chibiusa becomes acquainted with, also feels very rushed. We barely get to know this character. They kept in the subplot of Chibiusa becoming a grown-up, whereas Usagi becomes a child. That's over in two seconds. So it feels like, okay, that was a thing that really meant nothing to the story. Then they still kind of have a little... At the beginning of the first um, Sailor Moon Eternal movie, there's still that whole ick and extra cringe of Chibiusa still has a crush on her dad and 
Uh, it, it's uncomfortable. But with all this nitpicking about this, did I like this movie? Oh, absolutely. Would I watch it again? Yeah, I really would. Because the new things that they changed and they made, again, this is coming from me who hasn't read the manga. I like the, I like the adaption. I like the change. I love the fact that we're seeing Saturn grow as a character who pretty much always gets forgotten in when it comes to the Sailor Scouts. Especially in the inner sense, she always gets all the attention. The outers get a little bit because Uranus and Neptune are such our power couple goals. Pluto's also often forgotten. And then Saturn is like, oh, by the way, she tried to kill everybody, so forget her. Which I hate. Saturn deserves more. And yeah, this we're seeing her evolve. Also, can we talk about the three-way marriage between Setsuna, Michiru, and Haruka? Because that was a thing. They all have their, they can call it promise rings, it's wedding bands, come on now. Young baby Hotaru also refers to them as uh, Papa Haruka, Mama Setsuna, Mama Michiru. Come on now, that's a three-way marriage. But you know what? Good job, guys. (laughs) And, but yeah, so then we get to see the scouts come into their new powers. But what also bothers me is it happens so fast. Each scout goes through their own doubts of their dreams. They become a super sailor scout. And then by the end of the third movie, or the second movie, they're now the eternal scouts. So you guys didn't get a real chance to relish even in your super sailor scout powers. Now you're eternal. I just feel like that was too rushed. We didn't, they didn't get to enjoy it. We didn't get to enjoy it with them as we did in Super S. So yeah, it feels a little off. And but again, I'm I'm trying to pick more compliments than nitpicks. So for example, word up to Mamoru, Tuxedo Mask, King, Prince, and Demian for having his own crystal and it makes him actually useful. He actually does something. The attack of the new Sailor Scouts looks awesome. As a as a fan of Sailor Moon. Uh, Sailor Uranus's world shaking was always my favorite in terms of the way the attack just looks so powerful. It looks straight badass in this new movie. It's fantastic. And I just, yeah, the scouts just come into their own. They, there's more depth. For as much as I nitpick about it being so so rushed, there is a little more depth and pull from these characters. You get to see more of them. We finally get to see an anime, not manga, anime version of Artemis and Diana, which we've only ever seen Luna as a human, but now we finally see Artemis, we get to see Diana, and they look great. We also finally not only get to see all the Sailor Scouts in their eternal uniforms, but we get to see them as princesses, which is almost never talked about or never really seen. We just left to assume like, oh, we see them in the manga briefly in black and white, but now we get to see all 10 Scouts in their princess dresses it's refreshing because they all everybody always forgets that they are princesses of their own respective planets and as i remember correctly in the deke um dubbing of the original sailor moon from the 90s there was a line that was said by luna that says all the of the scouts are princesses of their respective planets that makes perfect sense they should be it's not just usagi or in this case serenity so, yeah, like, finally we get to see a little more of the, of the scouts being the scouts. 
and I guess I know I, I'm I'm flip-flopping back and forth between nitpicks and good but another nitpick I have is are these the same voice actors who have been doing Sailor Moon Crystal because some of them sound far more mature like I took a little bit of an issue with Mamoru's voice sounding so gravelly like almost Batman-esque and then Hotaru was a little odd because she's supposed to be a child she has a voice almost as mature as Setsuna, and she's the oldest of the scouts. And I found that very baffling. Maybe I, I miss it. I'm missing it because I haven't watched the Sailor Moon Crystal series in a while. I only watched it once all the way through when it originally aired. So maybe I'm missing something. But like I said, the new inventions of the scouts was great. The, the depths in their story and their arcs that they go through is great. I also love that we do get to see the Amazon Quartet become the eternal scouts that will eventually protect Chibiusa as she becomes a full-fledged Sailor Scout, which I think is fantastic. I've been waiting forever to see that. And what else can I say? The music's great. Some of the music in the end credits are from the original Sailor Moon series, which makes me so happy to hear them again. The ending theme for Sailor Moon Super S was actually sung again in this version of the series. It's great. Now, I, again, having not read the manga, but I believe from credible sources, some of them friends of mine, that this isn't the end of the Sailor Moon series in terms of Crystal. We are still going to be, there should be one more movie, if not, they might split it into two, to wrap up and finalize the entire story. Now, your girl hasn't, like I said, hasn't read the manga, but knows how it ends, and yeah, guys, this is not the full ending of the series. There is still more to come. So I'm assuming if as long as the ratings do well for the Sailor Moon movie, we can expect to get a final version of the last several of the last few books to wrap up the series really nicely. And I hope we do, because it would be really cute to see this finally done to completion. I think the Sailor Moon series deserves that much and yeah it feels kind of starstruck to sit back and watch Sailor Moon and still be a fan all these years and enjoying it the same way I did when I was six years old as a matter of fact I have my original Bandai Sailor Moon locket that big clunky pink locket that when you press the pink crystal it makes a sound when you open the locket it makes a sound that toy used to help me get to sleep at night because I loved the sound it made. And I'm thrilled that it's, I can, this can come full circle for me. So yes, if you haven't given it a chance, check out Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon Eternal, the movie. It's a two-part movie on Netflix. It aired up yesterday. It's available now. Go watch it in the name of the moon. So guys, I know it's been a minute since I've given you any tips on fashion lines, doing a new line, or if there's any sales going on. And with summer being right around the corner, or if you live here in LA County like I do, summer's already here, you're going to want to look for some really good summer lines for some really good summer deals. And that's where I'm here to help you out. So let's start off with our friends at Dolls Kill, which has just released a new line called Unbreak Your Heart with such gems to check out as Sad or Something Heart Crop Top, The Baby Not So Innocent Plaid Skirt, The Set the Standard Mesh Crop Top, or The Can't, we Just Be, Fre Can't Be Just Friends Corset Blouse, 
and the Me Without You lace overlay corset to name a few with all of these styles also coming in plus sizes as well. And also on Dolls Kill, they are having an XX extra 40% off of their clearance. There's no set time of when this will end, just when supplies last. So go ahead and give that a check out at dollskill.com. Also from our friends over at Killstar, they're currently having a repeat day sale, also while supplies last, with gems up to 30% off such as the Assassin's Hooded Cardigan, the Pendulum Handbag, the Nia Backpack, the Gravedigger Skull Handbag in Bubblegum Pink, Plum Purple, Green, and Blue, the Unscared Heart Handbag, the Practical Magic Duffel Bag, Unholy Sabbath Hooded Cape, and the Blood Packed Knit Sweater. All 30% off while supplies last, among the many other great selections. Go ahead and check that out at killstar.com. And lastly, we're going to go visit our friends over at Rogue Plus Wolf, who are currently having a All Hail the Summer sale, which gets you up to 60% off on a ton of their styles, such as the Dramatic Exit Spell Long Sleeve Tee, the Death Tarot Phone Case, Moonlight Insulated Tumbler, Celestial Pet Bandana for your furry companion, Draco Ring in Slate Steel, and the High Priestess Coat, just to name a few. This is also while supplies last, so give them a check out at rogueandwolf.com. All right, guys, it's been a minute since I did one, so it's time for your listener-friendly asked questions. I have three for you tonight, and this one comes to me via Jigsaw Follower, but follower is spelled F O L L. O-W-R-R. And they ask, did you really think Spiral was that bad? Okay, guys. Um, My honest opinion about Spiral is it wasn't the worst. Like, I definitely don't think Spiral from the Book of Saw was as bad as Jigsaw, the eighth installment of the series. But it didn't leave the best of impressions on me either. I feel like the social commentary of Back the Blue versus um, Black Lives Matter was a little too hard-hitting for me. Like, especially for me, again, being half Black, I felt like it hit too much of a nerve. Like, we're already living through it, and we don't need a movie to make the commentary on it in such a harsh way. Um... The traps, though not the most innovative, were still fun to watch and look at. I think the plot twist at the end was a little dumb and didn't it didn't sell me as hard as I would have liked it to. But the one thing I want to make as a takeaway for that is if you're expecting it to be a full-on Saw sequel, yes, you are going to be very disappointed. Whereas if you go in knowing it's a side story, it's fine. It's absolutely fine because it's only, I I hate to say it this way, but it's only a Saw movie in title. But again, the traps are are decent enough to make it a a Saw-esque movie. But yes, it's a side story and don't misguide yourself by telling yourself it's a sequel. It's not a sequel. It doesn't work that way. This is absolutely a side story. 
that's why it's called from the book of saw instead of it being directly a saw film now i did watch some other online reviews that either ripped the movie apart or actually gave some healthy criticisms and from people who even actually loved the movie and what i got out of this was and this was one particular phrase that they had said in terms of how they felt this movie stacked up whether it was in a good or a bad way it's basically the movie seven and the minute they said that it occurred to me that they were absolutely right this movie is trying to be seven and if you guys are not familiar with the movie i highly recommend it watch it it's a really good movie um about a killer who is trying to replicate the seven deadly sins and yeah, this movie feels like it's trying to go that route. And I'm not mad at that, actually. I mean, imitation has always been the highest form of flattery. I just don't think the movie, like I said, left that big of an impression. It's definitely not something I'm going like, ooh, I would watch it again. Like, the only way I would is if I was doing a Saw marathon of all the movies. And that includes Jigsaw. But like I said... I don't think it was as bad as Jigsaw. Jigsaw's at the bottom of my list in terms of of any of these Saw films. I just feel like it could have been something more if it didn't want to just go, lean one particular way. So no, I didn't hate it. Um, and I don't necessarily think it was horrible or necessarily bad. I just wanted something... I walked in wanting something different. And something I've also said in a previous episode was I get a little nervous when a fan wants to take part in writing a script or helping in the story of any franchise because it tends to have that fan feel. And unfortunately, that's what I feel like Spiral suffered from. And I don't want to knock Chris Rock because I love the man. I lived and breathed by his stand-up comedies for way too much too many years of my life like I've been watching his stuff since I was like seven but it's weird because he's he's now in a in a genre out of his element he's in horror and it wasn't like I said he himself wasn't terrible he did a good job it's just I feel you know when it's your first breakout into something different than what you're known for it could it, it leans a certain way but still I commend Chris Rock for it um, from what I've been hearing, there's talks of either this there being a sequel to Spiral or it might branch off and become a television series, which I'm 50-50 about. I don't hate or love that idea. I'm not married to it, but I'm not going to shame or blaspheme it. I just feel like with it being a side story, maybe that is the better route to go is to make it into a series. But that's all subjective. But anyway, thank you, Jigsaw Follower, for your question. The next question comes to me via Mama's Best Friend. And her question is, what plans do you have for your birthday this year? Um, thank you for that. Um, I believe your name is actually somebody that is following me on my Instagram. So thanks a lot for that. So, yeah, I'm, I didn't, I want to do something nice, especially now since the state is reopening I don't want to just celebrate my birthday in LA, which don't get me wrong, my fellow Angelinos, I love Los Angeles. I will never tire of Los Angeles, except on my birthday where I don't want to be in the state. 
Um, I just want to do something a little different. I don't want to do a theme park, um, especially because the whole re- reservation process right now, it feels like it's it's more work than it's worth. So I decided I want to go to Vegas for my birthday. Which when you hear that, spend your birthday in Vegas, you think that's a great idea until you remember my birthday's in fucking summer. It's easily going to be 120 on my birthday. But for me who wants to have more exposure to pool time and honestly, I I love Vegas. It's fun. I don't want to live there. I'd never want to live there, but I haven't been in a while and I just miss kind of the gambling the poolside enjoyment, the drinking by the pool. I haven't had one of those experiences in a really long time. And to me, that sounds epically fun. And of course, I got a great companion to go with me. So who could ask for more? And definitely plotting to stay at the Luxor because I am obsessed with that hotel. It's probably my favorite of all of them. And it may or may not be because there is a Titanic exhibit in the hotel which has the biggest artifact from the Titanic, which is a side of the ship. So absolutely going to do that. Of course, I want to catch one of those legendary, amazing Vegas shows and just some other fun stuff I want to check out as well. Like my homeboy, Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures, has a haunted museum just slightly outside of the Strip. I have to go to it among other things. And also my companion wants to treat me to seeing the Hoover Dam, which I never got to see. So I'm going to enjoy that little road trip as well. Uh, My mom even called me before I did this podcast and said that she actually got to see the Hoover Dam when it was getting built or possibly repaired in the 80s before I was born. And I think that's just really, really cool. So yeah, I just want to go and do something a little different, get out of California for a little bit, which Vegas is barely considered out of California. And oh, and did I mention the possible drive over to Death Valley? Because my partner knows that I'm obsessed with uh, Charles Manson documentaries. And we want to see the old house or cottage or lodge or whatever it was, where the police finally caught him. Supposedly, there's still some relics from the Manson family that's still out there, like the bus they traveled in. I mean, it's derelict and destroyed by, by the weather, but it's still there. And I have to go see it. I'm so excited to see that. And your girl's feeling just a little extra spoiled. She wants to go and rent a car for this trip. But why not go top down and rent a convertible? So yeah, birthday plans are kind of big this year and kind of really exciting. And there is still the possibility I'm planning another trip towards Halloween, maybe to go to Disney World in Florida. Of course, also Universal Orlando, because if we're going late September, your girl's gotta go to the Halloween Horror Nights out there. So that's in talks. That's not set in stone, but it's a possibility. So thank you, Mama's Best Friend, for your question. And the last one comes to us via MH Classroom, which I'm pretty sure means Monster High. So already, you get me. And their question asks, what other dolls do you collect besides Monster High? Talk about them. Okay, um, there really isn't much to it. Um, obviously, I've been collecting Monster High since the jump, which was way back in, I believe, 2015. And um, I may not have said it before, but 
to all my listeners out there, I have a completely Monster High themed bathroom of not just the dolls hanging around, but a lot of my autographs and collectibles. And at one point, Target made a line of Monster High bathroom products like towels, soap dispensers, toothbrush holders, like everything, even floor mats. Shower curtains, especially Monster High Skelet, like shower rings, like I have it all. And I've been slowly building my bathroom for the last, I dare say a month. And it's coming together beautifully. And it will be shown off fairly soon. There's still some small things here and there that need to be finished. But I can't wait to show it off. I'm really impressed by it. So yeah, of course I'm an avid Monster High fan. I have just about, well, I don't want to say every doll because there's been a lot. But I have all the main ones. And of course, Claudine Wolf being my absolute favorite monster, I have almost every doll of her. On top of all the Monster High Comic-Con exclusives, except for one, which is the Scare Screams and Hoodooed Monster High um, San Diego Comic-Con doll. But any internet exclusives like the Victorian Draculaura, that was an Amazon exclusive, I have her. Or the Toys R Us exclusives, I have those as well. Um, but outside of those dolls, the only other ones I collect are Living Dead dolls, which I have a pretty nice collection of those as well. Now with that, I only collect the ones I like, because to collect all of them is way more money than I have. (laughs) And most recently, I had just bought the House of a Thousand Corpses sets, which were Captain Smalding, Otis, and the Cheerleader. And I actually repainted the Cheerleader to look like baby because I didn't like that it was just the two men and a victim. Whereas the doll just happened to be blonde and I loved that. So I stripped her face with acetone and repainted her to look like Sherry Moon Zombie, curled her hair and it's baby. So now it's the actual Firefly trio. And I'm so proud of it. The paint job I did on her is fantastic, which I will be posting the work in progress of that on TikTok fairly soon. And yeah, and of course, I'm one of my main things with Mon- with Living Dead Dolls is I'm trying to collect all the IP ones that I loved. So it's the Living Dead Dolls that are um, made after characters in horror or horror movies. So the House of a Thousand Corpses trio I have. I also have like Beetlejuice, Lydia, uh, Pinhead from Hellraiser, Ash from Evil Dead, or well, Evil Dead 2. I have The Crow, I have Sabrina from The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, so on and so forth. Um, I'm still debating on whether I want to pick up the Addams Family, Gomez and Morticia, because I feel like I would want to repaint them to look a little more like either Carolyn Jones from the series or Angelica Houston from the movies. I haven't decided yet. And of course, to make Gomez look more like John Ashton, because yes. Um... (laughs) So there's those, and I believe I pre-ordered Elvira. She should be coming in any day now. So yes, I do have a pretty decent selection of Living Dead dolls. And of course, not just their licensed ones, but I also have their originals, especially the two angels, Rain, the white one, and Tenebrae, the black one. So I have some some dolls that are pretty amazing in that set as well. Um the holy grail of living dead dolls that I still want to collect and don't have is Edward Scissorhands. And he goes for like $600 on eBay. So not anytime soon. Um, I won't be picking him up anytime soon. 
But yeah, those are the dolls I collect there. Um, going on to non-horror ones, the only other ones I collect out of that is the limited edition Disney princess dolls. Now, those are the, these are 17 inch dolls that come in these beautiful window display boxes. They're highly detailed. Like this is not a standard Barbie that you give to your kid to play with and thrash around. These are collector's editions. Each doll costs anywhere between 100 to 130 to get in store. That's not an eBay price, that's in store. Because they come with certificate of authenticities. They're made with Swarovski crystals. They're very expensive dolls. They're meant to just be displayed. And I have collected all 14 princesses to date of them in their most iconic outfits. So that's Snow White, Cinderella, Aurora, Ariel, Belle, Jasmine, Pocahontas, Mulan, Tiana, Rapunzel, Merida, Anna, Elsa, and Moana. Um, I'm still just waiting for them to make Raya from Raya and the Last Dragon, which I know I'm a bad fan. I haven't seen that movie yet, but yes, I have all the 14 to date with the only ones I'm missing being Elena of Avalor, which I feel like I should count her as Disney's first Hispanic princess. Plus, she was also inducted at Disney World in their ceremony to induct official princesses. So I feel like I should add her to the collection. They also made a Nightmare Before Christmas set of Jack and Sally, which were very expensive because they were partially made of metal. But they would make a really nice collection to, uh, addition to my set. So those are the only three I'm missing, minus the Alice in Wonderland doll, which I know she's not a princess. But oh, that doll is super gorgeous she's worth she's the holy grail she's worth like four grand so don't think i'll be picking her up anytime soon but one day when i'm a millionaire we'll talk um so that's those dolls and lastly i collected i and they don't really make them anymore but i collected the disney sumsums now in case you guys don't know what a sumsum is it's a little plush that fits in the palm of your hand and they made some of select Disney characters and villains, not just exclusive to like the princesses, which they have made, I, just about all of them. But yeah, they have made a good chunk of Disney characters throughout all, their whole span of movies. They've even made some based off of Star Wars, Marvel, and even some of the characters from the rides, such as they made a complete set just for Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean, which... I have the entire Haunted Mansion set. And they even made some that are even from Disney's live action movies. Like there is a set from Hocus Pocus of the Sanderson sisters. And my favorite one that I have, well, two, one of them is a large Maleficent Tsum of her as a dragon. Who she looks like a black pig with wings. And one of my friends got me this from Japan was the A Goofy Movie set which comes with Goofy, Max, Pete, PJ, Roxanne, and Max's teddy bear, which I wish they didn't make the teddy bear and they gave his motherfucking power line because he's a badass, but fine, teddy bear. Um, but it's a really cool set. It was exclusive only to Japan, and I had a friend that was there, and I believe still is there, hello, Kyrie, who got me that set as a gift, and I thought that was really cool. So... Yeah, that's pretty much it that sums up, like, dolls that I collect. I, I also do collect pops, but to get into that is a whole other thing. And I only really collect horror-themed ones with the exception of some certain Disney ones or Sailor Moon. 
And I don't, don't even get me started on my Sailor Moon collection, which I have every single one of the toys that they released in the 90s through Bandai. So I have the original Crescent Wand. I have the original Crescent, uh, the original Sailor Moon Locket that makes two sounds. That was not cheap to get back. Um, surprisingly, no Sailor Moon figures really outside of Funko Pops where I have all 10 scouts. But I do have a, um, it's an, I think it's called an SJ Figures figure arts of Sailor Pluto because she's my favorite Sailor Scout. But that's about it. That's my crazy collection. So thank you so much, MH Classroom, for your question. And that's going to end our listener-friendly asked questions for tonight. As always, if I didn't get to any of your questions, feel free to send me a DM either through Instagram or TikTok if you would like your question featured in an upcoming episode. And that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for joining in on this episode of Midnight Tea. I'd like to again thank every single one of my listeners for joining in and listening to my podcast on whatever medium you choose to listen with, whether that be Apple Podcast, Anchor, or through Spotify, or many others that I have failed to list. Your listenership makes my podcast work. And without you guys, I don't have a podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, you can find me on any of my social media. My Twitter is MoonchildNil. My TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube are MorningstarMoonChild. Please like, subscribe, share, and follow if you like the content that I do. And also feel free to hit me up via Instagram or TikTok if you have questions for me for my listener, uh, my listener-friendly asked questions, or if you have a topic you would like me to cover in a future episode. You know I love to do them. And like I said, guys, as long as you keep it clean, please no politics. I don't want to dig into those topics. It's not fun for anybody, especially me. And with that being said, guys, I hope you all enjoy your your weekend. I hope you guys get a chance to go and explore some of the things that are now open in your state or your country as COVID is finally calming down. Me personally, I cannot wait for this Vegas trip. I'm very excited. I haven't been back in so long and there's so much to see and do and I'm overloaded on top of other trips that I'm planning in the future and expect to see also more content on my TikTok that is just not, besides more announcements of my next episode of Midnight Tea, especially with me finally catching up with the Haunted LA segments that a lot of you guys really love. So that being said, guys, there might not be an episode next week, Friday, but there will be another episode in the upcoming week. But till then, guys, please spread kindness. It costs nothing. Stay safe and blessed be.